The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 373 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is the International Association for Family Caregiving for Serious Mental Illnesses. The serious mental health conditions we're going to discuss today are brain dysfunctions. That means problems with the brain's functions that are due to dementia. Now, these include what's called Alzheimer's disease by medical doctors and Alzheimer's by other people, such as today's guest, whom I'll introduce in a moment. But regardless of the name that we use for this condition, Alzheimer's is a brain disorder that can't be stopped, reversed or cured, that slowly destroys brain functions such as remembering, thinking and speaking, carrying out even simple tasks, and it even destroys the ability of individuals to recognize members of their own families. Now, Alzheimer's whatever we call it, disease or condition, is the commonest cause of something called dementia, which is a name used to describe a number of, surprisingly large number of brain conditions that involve loss of mental functions and that are caused, and here's an example, by by brain damage that obstructs the flow of blood in the brain's blood vessels or that causes bleeding into the brain. Dementia also includes some brain conditions that may to some extent be reversible and which can be helped by care and treatment. All of which is why our topic, the International Association for Family Caregiving for Serious Mental Illnesses, is so important for family caregivers and their family members. Our guest is Dr. Etel Lord. Etel is the founding president of the International Caregivers Association. She holds a Master's of Education in Counseling and a Doctorate of Management in Organizational Leadership. She served as president of the Maine Gerontological Society in the state of Maine for two terms in the 90s, and she's been a professor of organizational behavior at several universities. She's married to Major Larry S. Potter, United States Air Force retired, who was diagnosed with vascular dementia in January 2003, following his triple bypass surgery in 1999. She recognized in the early, in the 15 years of experience, caring for her husband, the urgent need for change in the way dementia care is delivered. She also recognized how caregivers lack support and guidance, and this led her to the brilliant vision 
of changing the course of dementia care by initiating and supporting change in all regions of the world through training and education. Um, Itel lives in Mapleton, Maine, and she's available for presentations, training, and Alzheimer's coaching and consulting. Welcome to the show, Itel. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I want to thank you for inviting me, and it's a pleasure to be here. Okay. Now, first question for you. Please tell us something more about your life and your career. Itel? Well, thank you very much. I was born in Canada. I'm French-Canadian, and I came into the United States in 1977 or 78, and I was actually naturalized 1988. So um, I re- uh, in Canada, I, I worked for the provincial government and then eventually the federal government. And then uh, when I came to the United States, I opened a translation bureau because I could uh, speak fluently in French and English, although I also learned uh, Spanish, some Spanish, and uh, Latin. And um, after that was uh, done, I uh, became a paralegal for legal services for the elderly for uh, a short period of time and decided to go into... uh, to complete my bachelor's and also do my master's in counseling. But then no, I, I want... Go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you. Uh, I'm sorry about this, but time is a tyranny in this radio business, they tell. So I'd like you to tell us more about your own experience of family caregiving for your husband. Please tell us about that. Yes. Yeah. Well, um... That experience as a family caregiver is uh, mine was not unusual uh, to many that you hear out there, and I've heard on some of your programs. Is I accidentally fell into it. We were married, and my husband was healthy, and all of a sudden he needed a triple bypass. And from that time on, in 1999, until he was officially diagnosed in 2003, um, I accidentally had to become his caregiver. So it's not something that I chose. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to start. I didn't have very much information. I got a little bit of information from the Area Agency on Aging and also from the Alzheimer's Association. But most of it was not really helpful for our situation because each situation is so different. So we neither, neither one of us had the family of origin around us. So my family is in Quebec, and his family is out in uh, Seattle at the other end of the coast. And so we were left here alone to do uh, what we could. And I simply told my husband, we'll just make some adjustments. I think we'll survive. But truly, I was saying that without knowing what was ahead of me. I had no clue. Right. Now, that experience, as we've already said, led you to set up the International Caregivers Association. Please tell us more about that and the way it fits into your experience. Itel? Yes. Well, that inspired me after I I had struggled so hard to find exactly what I needed to make sure my husband was safe and uh, and provided for properly. Uh, I decided to uh, to start with first of all remembering for you, which is also on the internet, uh, putting down a lot of information that helped me, so I could help others. And then the International Caregivers Association came about as a training uh, organization because. I really feel that if we could train more family caregivers, they would do better, more easily, and not be so stressed out. On the other hand, the person living with the dementia or the long-term condition requiring caregiving 
we'd have a much better quality of life. Uh, everybody would be less stressed out. Everything would fall into place. And when you hire somebody from outside in home care agency, they would actually know what they're doing. That's why the, the International Caregiver Association is so important, is to train everyone. Right. Tell us a little bit more about the membership. Who actually are members? Uh, how wide do they? How widely spread are they across the world? And what are the main things that they tell you about the value of the association? Itel? Yes. I. I. We have a members of a wide variety of members, from professionals, you know, doctors, uh, to uh, caregivers, and even family members that may not be caregivers but want to know more information. Uh, we are represented in all areas and all regions of the world uh, by uh, members who have volunteered to actually be representative of the ICA in their region and give out information and bring us their problems so we can help them solve and find a proper solution. Um, members come to us largely because they want dementia care solutions that truly work and work uh, rather quickly, not take a long uh, a year to study or anything. Our courses typically last 60 to 90 minutes, although we have longer programs like the certified uh, um, the Certified Alzheimer's and Dementia Coaching Program is uh, an entire semester, and that's almost a university program. But that's the longest one we have. Mostly it's an hour to an hour and a half in a variety of subjects that really matter. And also we have it so that we can graduate people from a simple, basic, uh, dementia care up and moving along as their condition progresses. So we can take anyone from the time, the moment they hear they have a diagnosis to the time that they are nearly uh, ready to leave this world. Now, let me just um, bring you to the point of emphasizing again that you're saying that, in effect, there's much more education and training and support needed for family caregivers caring for all of these kind of what we're going to call mental health conditions. Am I right about that? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Because I feel that when you know, when, when, if you are looked in the toolbox of a care, family caregiver and all you find is a hammer, then everything will look like a nail, and they'll start hammering everything. Everything I read and when I speak to people that call me or write to me, they are desperate for a way to either fix a problem or find a solution out of the situation because it's simply unbearable. So we have essentially put our, our entire society in a bind here where we give them a responsibility for which they're not prepared, and they're not even helped financially by the government. I was speaking to a couple today whose mother, her mother is sick, and they're, they're actually funding the entire cost, which is around 3000 a month, while the mother is at home. Now they're thinking of placing her. However, they have no idea what to do, where to begin, and they're both stressed out, both sick about it. So now we have three people that are sick instead of just one. So we need to stop this madness. It's important to train people so they can feel more confident and can handle it better. It will be less costly. Everybody will be coming out at the other end. And will it be less costly for the healthcare systems? Absolutely, because you know when you're not, not sure what you're doing, it's very expensive. 
I know of situations where people were given drugs they should never have been given, and they actually died from it. I know of situations where treatments has been done over and over again because the first the first time they couldn't uh, do it right. The other thing is, um, just to use the example that I know with my husband's doctor, he called me yesterday and said to me, I asked your husband if he was in pain or if he had any problems anywhere, and he didn't answer me. And I said, that was the wrong question for a person with advanced dementia. You need to go back and ask him, Larry, are you okay? If he's not okay, he will tell you. Then you need to find out what it is. Very good. Very clear clear way of putting that. Now, we've come to the time where we need to take the break. So we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Avery, and my guest is Dr. Etel Lord. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Etel Lord. Our topic is the International Association 
for family caregiving for serious mental illnesses. Itel, now let's talk about the challenges to family caregivers and their family members living with brain dysfunctions due to dementia. And as I said before, dysfunctions frankly means that the brain isn't working as it should. Now, Itel, which of the many challenges that brain dysfunctions due to dementia create do you see as the most challenging for the family caregivers of family members who have dementia? Itel? I believe the the greatest challenge is truly is not to know how to communicate effectively and uh, not understanding the person that has that uh, brain disorder that you just described and therefore cannot respond perhaps appropriately at the moment. Uh, so speaking Alzheimer's is truly the very first basic tool you should have in your caregiving uh, toolbox and uh, use that. Know how to use it and use it. You will see a big difference in the reaction of uh, when you uh, when you speak to them or when you listen to them. Uh, there's one thing uh, that everybody needs to know is when you ask simply a person, like I just uh, mentioned a while ago, Larry, are you okay? You need to be able to give that person at least two seconds or um, more than two seconds, two minutes to respond. Uh, it's possible they'll respond right away. Most of the time my husband does right away. However, there may be a time. I see so many people walk down the hall in a facility and they'll say, oh, how are you today? And they smile at them and keep walking, and then they're gone about 20 feet, and the person says, I'm okay. Mm. Right. Now, next question then. Which of the many challenges that brain dysfunctions due to dementia create that you see as the most challenging for the family members living with the dementia? Mattel? Well, I think it's probably being afraid and being lost. Now, I have to share something personal with you. When I was only 12 years old, I experienced that. Out of extreme stress, all of a sudden I found myself in the middle of a street wondering where, where I came from, where I was going, who I was. And I think that is probably the, the most challenging uh, uh, part for that person and uh, not knowing exactly where they are and being afraid of losing their mind because they actually can feel that at the beginning. And... Uh, having the family caregiver and other care providers being empathetic to them and, and understanding and giving them that time and reassure them and let them cry if they need to cry. Now, I'm going to ask you another question which sort of flows from several of the things you've already been saying, and that is, which of the challenges that you've identified, whether it's for the family caregivers or for the family members, which of those challenges are least well understood by healthcare professionals and healthcare systems? Itel? I believe the first one probably is that if you see one person coming in the office, the medical office, let's say the doctor's office with uh, dementia, you're, and, and they're accompanied by a caregiver, you're seeing actually two patients. And I'm saying that because the caregiver fatigue timeline is a real thing, and most caregivers are not aware of it. It's almost like the expression, you don't see the forest for the trees. Before you know it, you're too far into the Alzheimer's uh, maze or forest to know what kind of trees are around you or even to find a path out of that forest. And so it's very clear that after a certain amount of months, and it's less than five years of full-time caregiving, that you're going to hit the wall. In other words, at that point, you are unable to continue to provide care for that person. 
and some other uh, some other thing must happen. So I think that the medical community needs to be aware when that person, that caregiver, might ex- uh, experience depression or um, uh, grief, su- such deep grief that they uh, are in danger of hurting themselves or hurting the other person. So it's not unusual that you'll hear someone say, that man killed his wife and then killed himself because she had dementia. Now, let's, let me ask you a, a kind of deep question. What describe that moment when or time when, and these are, this is your phrase, the caregiver hits the wall? Bring us to a sense of what that actually involves. You tell Well, that involves a complete exhaustion to the point where it's difficult to make any clear decision. And it's at that point that people will decide whether to continue, end it, or give it up. And most often, and in my case as well, somebody from outside, in my case was my sister, came to me and she said, you either give it up now or you will be gone and he will live on. So sometimes it takes somebody to shine a light on it and say, hey, this is the wall. You can just hit the wall. You cannot go on. So you probably don't sleep well. You don't eat well. Uh, you look very tired. Um, you, you just drag around. You're really just out of energy completely. Don't sleep well, and nothing works for you. And it's usually before five months. So you're in a chronic state of fatigue. You just don't feel well at all. You have an inability to ask for help at that point. You just think you give it up. You have definitely feelings of isolation because that's the first thing that you will feel. And you have an inability to access resources for information to help you at that point. Now, let me put some words to you which some people, me included, use to describe what you've just been, um, or to name what you've just been describing. That is, First of all, physical exhaustion, and secondly, psychological exhaustion. Do those terms actually fit well enough with what you've just described? Yes, I believe they do. Um, the physical exhaustion is, is, well, of course, you can feel that. You just don't have, you don't want to even go out to see people. And by that time, I'm almost five years into it. You've lost all your neighbors, your friends don't come around, your family wants to stay away. And in my case, of course, our families were away anyway. My sister had to travel here for six or seven hours to get here. And she's the one that took took my husband and I to the uh, long-term care. We left him there. I drove back because she didn't drive. And uh, when she left the next morning, I was in bed for probably three months and couldn't even drive to town, which was only a 15-minute drive. The first time I tried to go to town, I went to town okay, but I had big difficulty coming back. So the recovery, the rehabilitation stage, which is the fifth stage of caregiving, is um, it takes as long as the time you've put into that, uh, that caregiving to completely recover from it, to feel like yourself again, feel healthy emotionally, physically, perhaps even financially. Now, I'd like to take, pick on that last one, financially, because I've heard it said 
you, the family caregiver experiences physical, psychological, and at times financial exhaustion. So tell us about the financial exhaustion and what that does to people. Well, in our case, we were planning on this, so we had insurance for his care, uh, but many people don't. Uh, I know of... of uh, Women that have told me, several women have told me that in the process of doing this caregiving over a number of years, they've actually lost their property, have been left on the street with nothing. Because if they don't, if people don't pre-plan ahead with long-term care insurance or some other type of insurance, and only 7% of the population do that, we don't know who it's going to hit. So you need to really prepare for that. Otherwise, it's, it's murder on finances. You never can recover from it. So even people that came into my home to help me or into assisted living when he was there to help, uh, that's at least $20, $25 an hour. And so if you figure on the night shift, and I often had the night shift, I had to hire a nurse, that was a few hundred dollars that I had, two, two, between two and $300 I had to pay for somebody to watch him while I could sleep, and then the next day I took care of him. This is a, a sort of political question that arises from what you've just been talking about, which is very, very real. Are the, the, the what I'll call the authorities, you know, government, social services, uh, people who make decisions on behalf of society, do they really understand what family caregivers are going through in, in the way of financial exhaustion, Itel? I do not believe that they do have a good handle on it. Uh, it would be nice to invite a panel of experienced caregivers that have lived through it and now are out of it to recall what they had to uh, endure to, to be able to go through the journey. However, I think that I, I just feel that governments, although they're aware of some of it, uh, are not taking responsibility to help out and not thinking further than that because, you see, I was working full-time when my husband got sick. Eventually I had to quit work, so I lost all that income, not paying taxes for that. So I'm not sure they're balancing the two and um, helping families that way. Uh, but there, I often refer to Alzheimer's as the monkey on your back, and I feel that that the monkey is left on the family's back because governments are really afraid to take it over. That it'll sink any health care budget for sure, as it is right now. They're all complaining it's way too expensive. However, we need some some homes to be built. We need some help for families, and we need to train all these people that that are going to work in in uh, dementia care. Uh, to provide these services, how to do it better so they don't get as exhausted as burnt out and turn over too fast. Right. So what it comes to, and this is to summarize back to you in a different way what you've been saying, in fact, family caregivers are subsidizing the healthcare systems Absolutely. through their own efforts. Right? Absolutely. Right. Now, uh, we have to take the short break. I always say this is where we have to pay the rent, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Asley, and my guest is Dr. Itel Lord. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Etel Lord. Our topic is the International Association for Family Caregiving for Serious Mental Illnesses. Etel, let's talk about the ways in which the International Caregivers Association is addressing those challenges where you've which you've just identified, these things that you've been talking about with such knowledge, such experience, and such passion. So, first question, how is the association, the International Caregivers Association, addressing the challenges of for family caregivers with the way in which the dysfunctions due to dementia complicate the lives of the family caregivers? Etel? Yes. Uh, the um, I want to say that we are promoting the ICA or International Caregivers Association is promoting 
coaching and training for all caregivers, because we know that just looking at the physicality of caregiving on 24-7 is physically impossible, emotionally impossible, and financially impossible. So we know all these things. So we want to change the course of dementia care by really introducing a standard in dementia care that's acceptable for everyone, that anyone can actually learn easily and apply, but also to improve the quality of, of, uh, of life for those living with Alzheimer's. And, and uh, as I just say, by training and coaching, we improve the uh, quality of work because we're, we're really uh, tooling that toolbox for the caregiver, so they have a variety of things that they can attempt to do to fix the situation when it comes up, a problem that comes up. Right. Now, it's the same question, but I'm asking you, how does the association address the challenges for the family members themselves? In other words, um, what is going to be your standard or your training for the members, with the family members, and also for the family caregivers. Etel? Well, the family member that is the sufferer or the person with the dementia, that person in the early and middle stage are, are quite interested in knowing more and finding things. And, and let me tell you, up to the end of the stages, that person is interested in discovery and learning. My husband is still learning. He's still discovering. So I'm creating opportunities for him. So the International Caregivers Association actually offers opportunities to anyone, whether they have that condition or their caregiver, to keep learning, to keep uh, socializing with other people uh, who who experience similar uh, lifestyles and conditions. So, for example, the other day in LinkedIn, somebody posted a post. She posted three times saying, disclosing in the first one that she was living with dementia. So her post was quite hard to read. She posted three times, but nobody answered her until I came in and I saw those three posts, and then I answered her. And she thanked me for answering, and I had invited her to call me or contact me, but she was glad that I recognized her, and that's all she wanted. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you how the association addresses the question of the level of understanding of the challenges by healthcare professionals and healthcare systems. And I'm going to be a bit more precise about what I'm asking. How the association addresses the problem of insufficient understanding by healthcare professionals, such as doctors, um, in what this all dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever it is, involves for the family and the family caregiver. How, how do you set about addressing that problem, if, if it's as, as much a problem as I'm implying? Tell? It is a very large problem. I'm glad you brought it up. There's two ways we do that. First of all, we believe that if we can harm, uh, you know, uh, tool the caregiver, give them education, support, and confidence in what they're doing, they will themselves be able to educate the healthcare professional they encounter because each situation is different. They will need to speak up and ask for what they want. 
The second way we do that is uh, we're creating right now or uh, conducting two pilot studies in two different areas, assisted living and the other one for employee programs, because we feel that employers do not, are not aware. I don't hear enough of it to say that, yeah, that's an awareness they have. They don't. Is the fact that employers have employees who have family members who have dementia or Alzheimer's. Those employees, when they go to work, carry that stress. Many times have to leave work very quickly on an emergency basis to go and assist at home or somewhere else when that person may be living. So there's a big, there's a big uh, uh, need for employers to realize that the productivity of their employees is, is affected. The stress levels are high, so they're paying a price as well. We want to know, wouldn't it be important for health care workers, as you just suggested, suggested be more um, informed or uh, more educated as to how to address problems uh, when they encounter a family member who is bringing in a person with uh, dementia. And uh, also in assisted living, we want to start with assisted living because that's growing. That's a growing business that is grossly understaffed. They're uh, undertrained, and uh, they're, they're really suffering because I've spoken to these people that work in some of these assisted living, and they say we don't have enough training. Anything would help us. Now let's just be. Let me just ask you to describe assisted living. Is this assistance to living when people are living at home with their family caregivers? Is it in a specialized kind of place that they live that they receive the assisted living? What does it actually involve? Assisted living can be a, a variety of situations. Normally, it's a it's a couple that moves, you know, leaves their home because they can no longer take the responsibility of all the groundskeeping and housekeeping and everything else, and they go into assisted living to be among people that are retired and so on and so forth. But in these assisted living, many times you have a dementia care area, uh, and we know now uh, through statistics that about 80% of people living in assisted living have some form of dementia. So it's growing, and it's a very uh, big concern. So those people or those employees that work there that answer the call when that couple needs something, uh, it may be that the wife is tired and she's exhausted and the husband has dementia and he's very demanding or he's wanting to leave. Uh, those workers have a hard time dealing with these situations. They don't know how to, how to cope with them. And we want to train these people in, in assisted living. But it's like home care, but it's in a larger, you know, a group of uh, community, we could say. So, in effect, this assisted living is a very important response to what you described as hitting the wall. That is when the family caregivers really are so psychologically, physically, and financially exhausted. What they need is to be able to turn to, or in effect, uh, have their family member cared for with assisted living. Is that right? Have I got that? That's true. And if they want to stay at home, as you say, like in their house, uh, then you bring in workers, and those workers need to be trained. Those workers are not trained right now, not in dementia care. They may have an hour or two hours of dementia care, but they have not been trained. And so when you're exhausted, like I just said, and you just referred to, you hit the wall, you we would hope and pray that these people would come in and say, please sit down, I'm going to take over, let me make 
make you a cup of tea. I'll, I'll handle this and be confident that they can. Most of the time they cannot. Instead, they turn around and within a day or two, they have left the employment. Now you have to find someone else that's still untrained. Yeah. Now, you talked, my first question to you brought from you the idea of a standard. Is what you're promoting in answer to this question I've just asked you, the idea of a standard for the training of people who do provide assisted living help and services? Is that something you would be doing, preparing a training standard? Yes, we would prepare a specific program for each of those industries as they as needed. And you would expect that if you're calling on a home care agency, they would perform these services the same way as some other home care agency that you might turn to later on would still perform the same services in the same way. In other words, they would have the most basic of dementia care training that works and, apply, and applies and is of service. Right. So, in other words, this represents the development of a service which, if I can use this word, should be professionalized. That is to say, the workers, the people who provide these services, in effect, need to be a specialized type of healthcare professional. Is that right? Yes, I'm glad you used the word specialized. <laughs> Yeah, not expecting them to give drugs or medications or anything like that. But what I am expecting, I'm putting the words to you, is that people understand the condition, know where the assistance is required, and can provide it helpfully, cheerfully, and effectively. And what you're saying, if I've understood you right, is that that sort of thing, even if I've not got it quite right, is absolutely vital in the care for the dementias. Am it I right? is. It is, and that comes with confidence, and it comes with confidence when you have learned something, applied it, it worked, somebody mentored you, somebody supervised you, somebody supported you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting opportunity, and then, of course, there's the question for society is, where does the money come from? for all of that, but that's not something that we're going to talk about in this particular episode, though I think it does have to be spoken about right in all the countries, because everywhere, Alzheimer's, dementia, all the rest of it are growing problems and growing challenges. Now, we've come to the end of this particular um, um, segment, so we're going to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dr. Tell Lord. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, 
spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Itzel Lord. Our topic is the International Association for Family Caregiving for Serious Mental Illnesses. Itel, now I'd like you to talk about what more you would like to do through the International Caregivers Association and to see done by others to promote more and better support for family caregivers and their family members living with the brain dysfunctions that we've been talking about that are due to dementia. So, first question, what more would you like to do through the International Caregivers Association? to support family caregivers and their family members. Itel? Yes. What we would like to do here at the International Caregivers Association is keep expanding, and one of the services we're going to be offering soon is um, an Alzheimer's dementia coaching service so people can actually call these people. They're professionals and well-trained. Some are health coaches, so those uh, we have a medical doctor, for example, that's doing that. And they'll be able to ask some specific questions and get some real good answers to help them cope better. Uh, the other thing is we're going to have a think tank, a dementia care think tank. It's the first in the world. And we want specialists and also caregivers, family caregivers, to take part in that. And also people that are living with uh, Alzheimer's uh, and dementia that are really able to participate to we invite everyone to to do that it'll be a limited class each time of about 20 so people can really hear everyone so we're looking at at um making sure that everybody gets the information they want to speak uh, about their experience because every experience is different um 
and uh, to help family cares, caregivers to know that this is, in, in fact, a unique experience, but it, is, it can be very devastating. Right. Now, it's the same question, but I'm asking you now what you would like to see done by others and who the others are to promote more and better support for family caregivers and their family members. What would you like to see done and who would you like to see do it? Itel? Uh, well, I would like to see the governments, both state, provincial, and, and federal, get involved in establishing some support uh, program for family caregivers, the ones who are full-time, to help them uh, get the education and, of course, the support during the day or the night if they need it. And I'm, I'm reminded of a program you have in Montreal called Baluchon Alzheimer's, which means uh, bundle Alzheimer's. And, uh, you know, these people have workers that are paid actually minimum wage. Uh, they've been there for about 12 years. When I asked the administrator, how do you have a big turnover? And the turnover is zero. Why? It's because they're well-trained, well-supported, well-supervised, mentored, and they love what they do because they know how to do it. And so I think we can do that here, but there has to be uh, some government uh, involvement because families cannot pay that much money. The government could get away with minimum wage, but uh, you can't find a good uh, home care agency that's going to put a worker in the home here in the United States at least for under $20, $25 an hour. Now, what I'm going to interpret back to you is this. I think what you're describing is a profession of the assisted living people, that is, who know what they're doing, and experiencing what you've just described, job satisfaction, the sense that they are professionals, they're doing good work, they get, as I said, satisfaction out of it, and that they feel that what they're doing is useful, valuable work. That is to say, it's something that people take pleasure in doing. Do you agree with that perspective? Yes, that's true. But in addition to that, I think that if you're a full-time caregiver, it should be recognized as such. It should also be part of the uh, Disability Act because you're unable to work outside the home. And if there was some comp compensation to allow you to pay some other workers to help you while you're staying at home doing this, uh, it would still be le much less expensive than putting someone in a care home. So right. the government really needs to weigh this all out and see what what to, what the cost to the to the public and the society is right now when you actually see somebody completely destroyed physically, emotionally, and financially. What do you do with that after they're destitute? They have to rebuild themselves. That takes a long time. So I think if they could plan on it, you know, just like they used to do in Canada when I was there with the economics, they would look at okay, we're going to have this coming in the next two two or three years. Let's go to the uh, trade schools and get our get our our personnel our workforce educated so when it hits us we'll have it so what you're arguing for then could this be described as an argument for recognition of family caregivers human rights Itel? absolutely because you'd really when you're in it, up to your eyeballs, you understand that the meaning of your life is not very, very much uh, when people look at you as a full-time uh, caregiver. As a matter of fact, they avoid you 
and they neglect you, they leave you alone, they leave you in isolation, and often, as I said, destitute on top of that. Yeah. So what that then comes to is um, human rights recognition for the family caregivers. Uh, What that means is that, and you've just described what I would interpret as discrimination, stigmatization, and also uh, insufficient attention to what family caregivers really need to be able to be the family caregivers who are so valuable to society. Do you agree with me on that one? Absolutely. I think you hit it right on the nail. I think you must have a hammer too. (laughs) I like that very much. Now, I have a final question for you. Um, What's your message, your personal message for family caregivers who've just recognized that their loved one is likely living with brain dysfunctions due to dementia. What do you say to them? What's your message? I say to each and every one of them to remember that the meaning of life is love and that they are unique and in that experience and that journey as a caregiver never to forget about that and never to forget that that opportunity will teach them more than they'll ever know to keep the faith. And uh, we have heard many times of learning unconditional love when you're a caregiver. But what I think is even larger than that gift is the true character of the care provider is revealed. And for in my case, I thought I was a family caregiver, but in fact, I discovered I was an, a pack leader. Right, right. And that's what led you to create the association. Exactly. It led me to do that. Yeah, that's great. Now, I'm just going to summarize back to you one or two things. But first of all, Itel, thank you. Thank you for sharing with us your own experience so openly, your insights and your advice. And on behalf of community after communities, All success to you in your work. I want to say thank you to our listeners. And with, say something else, with Family Caregivers Unite, we're starting a new research project called Qualitative Research to find out what you, our listeners, think about important topics, such as the one we've just been listening to. So please email me to hear more or to get involved. Our next episode will be one-on-one, one-on-one support for family caregiving for schizophrenia. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.